0: Church family, I cannot think of a better text to consider in this season than the one that we're going to consider today. Philippians chapter four, verses two through 11. And in many ways, it seems like I've been living in this text for the past few years. Every time there's been a season of difficulty or a problem that I didn't know how to solve, the Lord just continues to bring me back to this specific passage, and in His goodness, He has brought me and he has brought you. He's brought us together in this passage today. And the reason why I think this passage is so appropriate for us is that it speaks about peace, how to live in peace as the people of God. And who among us doesn't need to know that right now? How to live in peace in this season as the people of God. Honestly, it feels like, Our lives have been caught up in some great storm. I can relate to the disciples on the Sea of Galilee in Mark chapter 4. They're on a ship, storm arises, and they feel helpless. They feel hopeless. They feel anxious, consumed with fear. But Jesus is not overwhelmed by the storm. He's not overwhelmed by that moment. He's actually sleeping through it. And when the disciples come to find him, they wake him up. Jesus looks at the storm, and in verse 39, Mark says, Jesus calmed the storm by saying, Peace be still. And I find myself longing for him to do the very same thing today. What's incredible, though, about the work of Christ is that he doesn't just have the power to remove storms, he has the ability to give us peace in the midst of storms. That's a very important distinction. A lot of times we just pray, God, would you just remove the storm? But I hope you see this morning that God's peace is great enough to sustain us in the midst of a storm. And why this is important in Philippians chapter 4 is that Paul and the Philippian church are experiencing storms. They're being persecuted. They're suffering. Paul could lose his life, and yet somehow, in the midst of all of that difficulty that they are facing, God has made provision for them to find peace. And the same thing is true for us today. In the midst of our difficulty, in the midst of of, of this season of discomfort, God has given a way for us to be able to experience peace. Yes, we should pray that the Lord would remove the storm, but we don't have to wait for peace until the storm is removed. God can meet us here. God can give us peace today. As the people of God, we can have peace his peace in any circumstance. I don't know about you, but I need to hear how this morning. So let's turn our attention to the text, Philippians chapter four, verses two through nine, and let's see how Paul's inspired words can encourage us this morning. Here's what the word of God says. I entreat you, Odia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true companion, And the God of peace will be with you. Aren't those words so comforting? It's clear that Paul is challenging the church at Philippi to live in peace, to be overwhelmed, characterized by peace, defined by peace. And Paul begins by addressing a lack of peace within the body. He's calling out two ladies by name, who were engaged in some sort of conflict. Now, we don't know the exact nature of the conflict, but we know it's big enough. It's a, an issue that's large enough that Paul is willing to call out these ladies by name. And that's a bold move in any church to call out people by name when you're addressing conflict. And that reminds me, uh, I've been meaning to address some, own, uh, some conflict in our church, and I thought I would just take a moment to read this list of people who need to get their act together. I'm just kidding. But Paul did do that. And why? Because he knows that for the church to endure what is happening, they must be unified. Further, if they're going to show the world around them how to be consumed by peace in any circumstance, then they need to uh, themselves be at peace. How can they show others how to live in peace if they are themselves not living in peace? Listen, there's enough stuff outside the church for us to worry about. We We certainly shouldn't be Fighting unnecessarily with each other. We need to be a people defined by peace so that we can rest in God's peace when difficult seasons come. Does it mean that that conflict won't arise? It doesn't mean that we won't need help sometimes to deal with this conflict as this this true companion is going to help these ladies walk in peace. We don't know who that is, but they needed help. And Paul was giving them help so that they could live in peace and the people of God could live in peace. We're going to do everything we can in our power and in the power of God to walk in peace as the people of God. We should be a people who rejoice. We should be a people whose reasonableness or gentleness is known to everyone because we should look different in seasons of distress as the people of God. We should be a people of peace because we worship the Prince of Peace. Now let me get to the meat of this passage. After dealing with the lack of peace within the church and specifically between these two ladies, Paul then teaches us about how to live at peace in all times. And here's what he essentially says. Living in the peace of God requires right thinking and right doing. It's possible for us to live in peace. It's possible for us in moments of distress, and moments of suffering, and moments of hardship, to live in peace. But it requires right thinking and right doing. Biblical thinking and biblical doing. Your mind and your behavior cannot be overwhelmed by your earthly situation. It can't evidence the fact that you're overwhelmed by this earthly situation. Rather, you must be overwhelmed by your heavenly situation. You have to have a supernatural response to natural problems. And this requires spirit-empowered thinking and spirit-empowered doing that's only possible because of the work of Christ within you. And in the course of our text, Paul begins with the doing stuff, the things that we should do in times of difficulty. And we see this in verses four to seven. When you find yourself lacking peace, there are godly actions that you can take. There are are godly actions, as Paul says in verse nine, that you can practice. So what things? Look at verse six. Paul says, if you feel your peace leaving, he uses the word anxious here. If you're anxious about anything, then here is what you do. Offer it. To the Lord in thanksgiving. When you're overwhelmed in a moment, you need to run to the Lord in prayer. You should fall to your knees. Why would we do that? Why would we take our anxieties to the Lord? Well, because we trust that whatever overwhelms us is not overwhelming to God. Further, we trust that, that God is working all things in our lives for his glory and our good. There's meaning in the midst of all this mess that we just cannot see yet. And when we go to the Lord in prayer, when we acknowledge our insufficiency and God's sufficiency, Paul says that a peace that surpasses human understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Prayer is an action that we can take that the Lord uses to help still our hearts. We run to him as the disciples did back in Mark and say, you got to help us. You got to do something. We we can't do anything about this situation. It's outside of our control. And if you don't do something, we're going to die. If you don't do something, we don't know what's going to happen. The beautiful promise of verse five is that the Lord is near. You can run to him, and he is near. He's near in the sense that he's near to the brokenhearted. He knows what it's like to be in a situation like this, and he's also near in the sense that he's coming again. And very soon will bring all of this distress, all of this suffering, all of this persecution to an end and bring us home to live forever with him. You can endure now because of what is to come. This reminds me of... Our kids, Jude and Julia, when they're scared, when they're overwhelmed, where do they run? They run to their parents. Run to me as their dad. They run to, to Jordan as their mom. And we grab them up and we wrap them up in our arms. And it's amazing how all that fear, all that anxiety just leaves. Because they ran to their father. And the same thing is true of us, friends. Sometimes I think the Lord allows us to experience overwhelming moments like this to remind us of how much we need God. There are some things we cannot solve ourselves, no matter how much we accomplish as human beings, and we've accomplished a lot by God's grace. We still need our Heavenly Father, we still need Him to calm our fears. And He has promised us that He will. And this is cause for us to rejoice. I'll say it again. We should rejoice because of what God has promised us. And we're able to act rightly because we think rightly. See, both are needed, right? Thinking and right doing. And we're able to do rightly because we think rightly. God gives us peace by pointing our minds to spirit-lifting truth, as we see in verses eight to nine. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. Paul says to the church, in moments of distress, you gotta think about what's true. In moments of distress, you got to think about what's honorable. you got to think about what's just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worldly of praise. Essentially, Paul's saying you got to think about the gospel. you got to think about the redemptive work of God that he has done on your behalf. You have to think about the example of Jesus. Think about the truth that, that God has saved you from your greatest enemy, no matter what comes against you right now, no matter what, difficulties you face right now, they are not greater than the salvation that has been promised to you in Christ. You've been rescued from an enemy that threatened not only your physical life, but also your eternal life. And now you are free from that in Christ. Think about the honorable example of Christ as outlined in Philippians 2. Just dwell on his example of humility. Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. to the glory of God the Father, there's no name worthy of more honor than the name of Jesus. So just think about the example of Christ and all that he has done for us in a moment like this. Think about the fact that, that one day, all that comes against the church, all that comes against believers will be judged and held accountable for, for those actions by God. Think about the loveliness of God who satisfies the deepest longings of our soul. And what better time to remember that he is truly what we need when we've lost everything that we thought we needed. Think of faithful brothers and sisters in Christ who are to be commended for the way they've persevered in seasons of difficulty following after the example of Christ himself. Think of the goodness of God, that rises above any circumstance and leads us to praise him friends we must do the work that paul describes in second corinthians chapter 10 specifically in verse 5 we must take every thought captive remembering that the larger truth of the gospel we don't wage war according to the flesh even though we walk in the flesh we have access to divine power, divine power that will hold us fast in any circumstance that can give us peace in the midst of any storm we face. Certainly this storm. Church family, let's think rightly in this time. And let's do rightly in this time, practicing and the power of the spirit what we know to be true. Let's go to the Lord. And see how he will let us rest in peace. Let's let this promise be true. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, verse 9, you practice these things, you think these things, and the peace of God will be with you. The peace of God, verse 7, that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, we won't be overcome by fear. We won't be overcome by anxiety. We'll be overcome by peace. The peace that God has promised us. So, where do you need peace today? Maybe in a relationship, like the two ladies here. Maybe in your finances. Maybe you're anxious about your financial situation because of this season. Maybe your health. What makes you anxious? What makes you fearful? If you are in Christ, it's time to take action. Take your requests to the Lord. Pray. Acknowledge your need for him and ask for his peace to take hold of your heart and your mind, trusting that he will use this moment for his glory and your good. And feel the peace that comes over you when he takes you up in his arms. Maybe you're anxious about something that's larger than that. Maybe you're anxious about what will happen when your life comes to an end. This season has reminded you that life is fragile. Let me tell you, there's no greater peace than the peace that comes to us when we are reconciled to God through Christ because it's a peace that will be with us not only in this life, but with us for all of eternity. Let me also challenge you in this way. When you see people who are consumed with fear, I want you to set the example. As you follow the example of Paul and more importantly, Christ, doing rightly, thinking rightly, So the peace of God reigns in your heart. Would you set the example for others as Paul did here and show them how to live in peace in the midst of this storm? To show them how to to take their, their thoughts captive if they are in Christ by the Spirit that is at work within them? To think on heavenly things? Such that the things of this world become strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And who knows how the Lord will use that example in this season to strengthen faith in the believer and perhaps birth faith in those who do not yet know Christ. I know that for many of us, a lot of waves have been hitting our ship. I know that for many of us, it feels like the storm may never end, even though it's only been a few weeks. But I want you to know this morning that there's a power greater than the situation we face. And he has the ability to look at it and say, peace be still. Would you welcome that peace in your heart today? Would you allow it to arrest your thoughts, arrest your actions and remind you of the greater truth, the greater promise that we have in Christ. And if we will react in that way, I have no doubt that God will be glorified and we will be better. Let me pray for us. Father, would you help us do exactly what we we read today? Father, would you help us learn to rest in your peace. When, when we feel anxiety, when we feel fear, when we feel conflict even coming up in our hearts, when we take those anxieties, those requests, those supplications before you in prayer, with hearts of thanksgiving, asking you to, to rule and reign in our hearts. Help us to take our thoughts captive, not being overwhelmed by all that's happening around us, but rather overwhelmed by the truth of your word and what you've promised us. Understanding that there's a larger war going on here. The reality we're facing right now is not just a physical one, it's also a spiritual one. And we need a supernatural response to this natural moment to make sure that even in this season, We are doing the work that you've called us to do, the work of the gospel. Help the gospel point our hope rightly so that through that example, the gospel may go forth as well. Father, would you let your peace reign over us? And would you help us to let others know about the Prince of Peace, who's the only one, who can give us eternal peace. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.